Hi, I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Jen Ostring. Jen and I met while living overseas. I recently reached out to her because I knew her and her husband have their own business called Helmworks Custom Creations, which I'll add the website onto our show notes. They do basic engravings to custom wood designs, and their work is amazing. Just wait until I debut the first ever swag for the show, a Bookish Flights coffee mug. In our email exchanges, we started fangirling over books, and Jen has so graciously provided us with an awesome book flight today on the healing and community of combat veterans. This is such an important topic, so I feel honored to have her on the show today. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks so much, Kara. I'm so excited to be here with you chatting books. Don't we? We just love doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things for sure. <laughs> yes. Well, yay. I'm so glad you like happened to mention that in an email and I picked up right on that. I'm like, you should come on the show and talk books. <laughs> Always happy to talk books. Yes. Well, let's start with a little bit about who you are. Um. Yeah, I am a military spouse, first and foremost, and a mom to two boys. Um, my husband is in the Navy. And we are currently living in California, but we have definitely been um, all over the place, including overseas, which is where I met you, Kara. Yeah, we seem to be following each other a little bit. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We started a business while we were overseas, um, and we started it in a shed in the backyard because obviously we're living in military housing and small close quarters, as you know. and we essentially do laser engraving and custom woodworking so a lot of military plaques and um, display pieces and swag um and i and i do the cups like what we did for you which i'm really excited for you to have some swag for your new podcast that's so fun Yes, thank you so much. I know my husband has already picked up on like, oh, he's like trying to brainstorm what he could do for his department. So he may hit you up. <laughs> Excellent. We do. I mean, like that is definitely my primary is like military swag. I somebody recently said, like, if you don't have swag, um, the duty station didn't actually happen. Right. And I'm like, oh, OK, All right, I get it now because I'm like, man, these, these guys really like their swag for like every single duty station. So. It's so funny. We've ended up with a lot of wall art as well. I'm like, babe, you are going to need an entire room to put all your military stuff in when we finally retire and stop moving because he like collects a giant piece of wall art everywhere we go yeah, so true. and this is what i am making all of these giant pieces of wall art to add to your home your yeah. well they are beautiful though and like i said i want to display them right now we have a pretty cool garage gym set up so we have it all out there because we don't have a ton of wall space it's like we live in an open concept house which is great but you lose a lot of wall space so ah, yeah. um but right now we've got the american flag hanging out there and then we've got all his like swag so we have it up in the house it just is in the garage but we use the garage gym a lot so yeah yeah <laughs> and I, it's like we don't know where all of josh's swag is i'm 
I think it must be in his office because I'm like, I, like, where is this? Where is that? I don't know where any of it is. So I'm like, oh, gosh, we're going to have so much to put in a house at some point in time when he doesn't have an actual office. Yeah, we went through that when Eric was on the ship for like our last duty station. He didn't have an office. So like you said, that kind of took the burden off the house a little bit. (laughs) But he uh, when he was on the ship for the last rounds, it was like, okay, we have nowhere to put this. He didn't have anywhere. Um, But I love it. It's super cool. And like you said, I think it's also even for me, having been along this journey with him since he joined, like it's been it's a nice memento for me to like to remember where we've been too. because a lot of times they're characteristic to the places we've lived. Yeah. Like Hawaii, we got a paddle like for the outrigger canoe. And um, and so it does have like bring back a special memory of each place. So (laughs) for sure. Well, to all the spouses having the same issue, you're welcome. (laughs) Or one of the two. Yes. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, if you're not part of the military community, I feel like it's, it is a tight knit group. And that was especially why, why I wanted to reach out to you to use you for my cups, because I would, I was like, I would love to support a military spouse that does this. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. Well, in your busyness, how do you find time to read? Um, I just make the time I've, I've, I've always been a reader, so it's okay. never been something I've had to force myself to do. It's, um, I mean, I, I listen to audiobooks in the car on my okay. way to and from school, drop off and pick up. Um, I read every night to my kids. So we've been reading chapter books with them for many, many years, even when they were probably way too young to understand some of the books <laughs> we were reading with them, but um, you got to enjoy it then though. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was kind of like part of it. I mean, we, we did the picture books and stuff too, but we started reading chapter books at a fairly early age. So we could like, you know, have family reading time, which was nice. Um, so we do that every night still. And then, um, after that, when they're like falling asleep, I lay there and read for a little bit too. So, and then I always have a book on my phone for just out and about, like if I'm waiting for them to be done with sports or waiting for them to come out of school, like anytime I'm waiting for anything, I'm, I've got a book on my phone. So, yeah, I kind of got called out a little bit last night. I took my son to jujitsu and I brought my book because my, my husband stayed home with the kids, so I didn't have to take them, which doesn't always happen. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring my book. And I'm going to sit here again, trying to be mindful of like not scrolling on my phone. But my son was like, did you watch me at practice, mommy? And I did like poke my head up and I would kind of see and then they would go drill. So I'm like, OK, you're drilling right now. But he's like, well, I saw you reading your book a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, well, I did poke my head up. I did see this and I did see that. Like I did, you know, I think you just in the moments that I was looking, you know, he wasn't, he was not seeing that I was observing. Yeah. Yeah. No, my kids have definitely said the same thing. Were you watching? Um, not really. I was actually reading my book. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I'm at a really good part in this book too. So I'm like, okay, if I can take the burden off, like reading it now to find out what happens, I won't have to stay up till midnight to figure out what happens. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's really funny. Um, what type of books do you normally like to read? Um, I'm, I'm all over the place. Honestly, one of my big um, types of books is historical fiction. I know you've mentioned that you love historical fiction also. Yeah. Um, I previously never read any fantasy books until I had a friend who, um, she was, she's actually an author herself. Um, and she asked me if I could read one of her books for her, um, that she had just finished writing. 
and it was fantasy and I enjoyed the heck out of it. And so, um, I said, okay, what else do you have for me in the fantasy realm? Cause I've never read that kind of stuff before. So then she started pushing more fantasy books toward me. So, um, I got, yeah. I got into that quite a bit. Oh, I haven't read any fantasy in a while, but I had like a, a period of time where I was reading like a ton of fantasy. Um, I feel like I am at that's the book I was reading last night so this is here's progress right I started the show because I really wanted to read the fantasy genre but I didn't even know where to start so I was like hey my friend Ashley that came on I was like Ashley talk to me about fantasy because I want to try it and that's the book I couldn't put down at jujitsu last night (laughs) yeah no it it really caught me by surprise also I kind of had always been like uh I'm not into that I'm not into that um and so it just it just took like me doing a favor for a friend uh to be like oh maybe I am into that like oh that's kind of like I really enjoy this so yeah so and then I read I mean just your basic like mystery novels um I love Agatha Christie style like just really simple mysteries and um sometimes the thrillers too like the more like uh intense mysteries that are more like thrillers um and because we're talking about nonfiction today I do read nonfiction I try to mix that into my fiction um because they are like more intense reads that you have to like be a little more like mentally there to like focus so I try and mix it into my fiction um yeah I feel you on that yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that's why I usually have a morning and a night read because I'm like I cannot one take whatever (laughs) takes more mental capacity is in the morning (laughs) yeah for sure for sure so well great well let's that I feel like that's a great segue into your book flight today and this is going to be on um combat veterans so I'm very excited about this because I haven't read any of these books but it is such an important topic so I can't wait to hear so why don't you tell us about our first book we'll be sampling today sure um the first book I wanted to talk about is called the honor was mine um the author's name is Elizabeth Heaney. She is a licensed professional counselor. Um, so she worked in private practice for like 30 years uh, and hadn't ever really come across military veterans or military families at all. So she had really no prior contact with that community. Um, you know, she wasn't a military kid. She didn't have it in her like family at all. So she kind of uprooted her life at one point and um, decided to join a counseling program through the Department of Defense um, and went to work with combat veterans, both them and their families, um, before deployment and post-deployment. Wow. Did something happen in her life that she wanted to like uproot it or? Uh, She kind of had this like series. I I think it was like a year or two years where she just had like one thing after another, like hitting her. Um, And I think it was just like a series of negative things where she just really felt like she needed a change and she was ready for a change. And I, she had a, a, like a fellow colleague who had reached out to her previously about the program um, you know, saying like, Hey, we could really use you. And she denied it at that point. But I think once everything kind of like shuttled her into this moment, she like took it and ran with it. Okay. Um, Cause it seems like such a, you know, like for someone that's not involved, ever having been involved with the community, it seems like a big, you know, <laughs> dramatic yeah. change to do that. 
a huge change. Also, what like one thing with the program is she didn't um, like move to one base and stay at that one base for a really long time. She would go on an assignment to a base and be there for like three or four months and then move to another base. Wow. So um, with, with like counseling, you know, you establish a relationship with your client Um, and it's usually over like months and months and months and months. And you're working with those clients through like multiple issues over long periods of time. And, um, so that aspect of it was a really, really big change for her. Um, you know, being like there for only a few months, getting to know people, working with them, um, in a completely different capacity. And I mean, you know how it is like civilian versus military world, like drastically different. So working in a completely new environment, um, was, was really like jarring and, um, all the, like, she talks a lot about all the challenges that come with that, that change, um, both, both the pros and the cons. Um, sure you know, it was definitely through her book. She talks about like the just profound experience that it was, um, and, and how that like has completely shaped her, like she's back in private practice now, but how that has like shaped her moving forward as a counselor in private practice. Um, so she, she was very much like solution focused with the soldiers. And that's not what she had ever done in private practice. And that was one thing she really focused on, uh, in the book was that challenge and not being able to do enough essentially. Um, you know, so, so it's kind of the, the story is really like, um, a memoir, so to speak, but it's just woven through all these other stories of combat veterans and the challenges of deploying and coming home and their, and their families also, um, you know, cause she worked with families as well and she worked with civilians as well. So, um, it, I, it was really like bite-sized stories. So the stories in there are really short. Um, okay. and I mean, the book's not too terribly long, so it's, it's a really like easy read with it being such small stories throughout the book. Um, but definitely, definitely emotional. Like there are some really like, um, you know, gut wrenching, heart wrenching stories in there. And, you know, like tears already pricking my eyes a little bit and I've never even read it, but like, I obviously we've been there. So yeah. 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 So I, I think, I mean, I think definitely for like military spouses, it's very much a read where you connect with it because you're a military spouse. Um, even if you've never experienced, like if your spouse has never experienced like combat directly, like boots on the ground combat, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've seen it around you, you've experienced it with, you know, friends, spouses, or, um, you know, distant, my, my husband did deploy to Iraq boots on the ground, but it was before we were together. Um, we actually started dating like right after he got home. So I kind of have like the book end of his deployment. Like, sure. No, I wasn't, I've known him for a very long time. So I knew him while he was over there. Um, and we were friends, but we didn't have that same connection that you would have if you're, you know, a spouse. So, um, you know, I, I know like things that he's gone through things that other friends, spouses have gone through and 
just hearing it from like a counselor's perspective um, was really, really powerful and really touching. Um, and just how much like, yes, she helps like the soldiers, but almost like that return on investment, like how much she was helped in her life and how much change she experienced just by, you know, having that in her life. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the empathy that could bring, and I'm imagining that's where her title of her book comes from as well. The honor is mine. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, that sounds really great. I'm going to have to pick that one up. I'm like trying to think ahead. I'm like, I don't think I have a nonfiction read up ahead. So that might be (laughs) coming out here soon. Yeah. So do you have anything else you want to add for that one? Um, no, I think that's it. I think just, um, like if you do have experience with PTSD yourself, um, just, you know, be mindful that it is, um, it can be a little intense. So thank you. That's great to know. Okay. So that was the honor was mine by Elizabeth Heaney. And then what's your second book today? Um, my second book is the theater of war by Brian Dorries. Um, this book or this author is originally a philologist, which I was like in his book, I was like, what is a philologist? I've never heard this word. I just had that. <laughs> um, so it's essentially somebody who studies like language and culture. So oh. he specifically studied um, Greek language and culture and very specifically the Greek tragedies, um, okay. you know, like Oedipus, Achilles, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, he so he did this in college and through like personal you know things that happened to him in his personal life um he kind of stumbled across the like reasoning behind um not just the writing of the greek tragedies but why they would perform them to audiences um interesting yeah and he kind of took that idea so essentially he posits that um, these Greek tragedies were written and performed in order to provide like a healing community, um, when something was going on. So, you know, primarily war, um, that is the time of like great wars, right? So, um, they would bring, you know, their warriors into these big amphitheaters and perform these tragedies. And it was kind of this, like, community-based healing. So a place for them to connect with other people who are going through the same thing. Um, and same, same thing, like the spouses were there too. Um, and a lot of these tragedies are, um, some of the spouses are actually like really the main characters, even though maybe they're not seen that way up front, like when you really dig into them, like some of the spouses, like their stories are really forefront. Um, wow. I was not thinking this based off the title of the book. I'll be honest. Like I wasn't thinking it was perform. I was thinking actually like theater of war, meaning like a picture of what it was like in Iraq, like, right. Calling that the theater of war. I was totally. (laughs) So, so let me tell you how I stumbled across this book because. Okay. So I have a friend whose husband deployed to Afghanistan Um, and he was not, uh, like, he's in public affairs. So he was not really, like, I guess, trained mentally, like, maybe some of the, like, SEALs or Army specialists might be, right? Sure. Um, so I, the deployment for him was incredibly difficult. Um, 
and I think also rewarding. Like I think there was a lot of reward. Sure. To it too. So when he came home, he struggled quite a bit and so did his wife. Um, and she was currently at that time working for the USO. Um, and they had this production company come and perform theater of war. And she got to be a panelist at the theater of war. So she told me about it and I thought, wow, that's a really cool organization. And I started looking into it and was like, oh, this guy wrote a book like about it. So of course, okay, I got to read it. (laughs) Um, so essentially what he did once he kind of like stumbled upon the idea that, um, this is why tragedies were performed. He, um, decided he wanted to start an organization, like an outreach organization where he would take actors and playwrights and go perform for groups of people. And he specifically targeted the military community. Um, so he's like, he's got contracts with the department of defense to perform his shows. Um, they're, they're still around. I, I was looking at their website a few days ago. Um, and they are still doing the military plays, but they've kind of branched off into some other communities as well. Um, in his book, he talks about prison populations. So he's also okay. branched out to um, not just the prisoners, but also the um, people that work in the prisons. Okay. So do they still do out. tragedy? Like, do they do Greek tragedies? Is that yeah. where they perform? Okay. All right. It's, wow. it's all pretty much Greek tragedy. I um, did notice on their website, they had a few other things that they were performing, but none of it is like original um, sure. Like plays it's all, you know, from ancient Greece or other, you know, ancient texts that they're performing. Wow. What a whole world I knew nothing about. This is so cool. It's really fascinating. And the book is fantastic. So it is a little bit of a memoir about like, like his life and how he kind of stumbled upon this and also, um, you know, just his work with the military community. Um, I like, I'm, I'm really like blown away by the whole organization and how receptive the military community was to it. Um, and he does touch on it a little bit about, um, you know, the kind of initial like skepticism and pushback he got. Um, but once he got buy-in and, you know, did his first few performances, then there was a lot of people that were really on board. Um, so so how it works is he would go and set up a, a play and they would have military members and family members attend. Okay. And um, they would always set up in advance to have, you know, so many panelists so that they would have a set of people who were willing to like speak. Um, they would perform the play. And then at the end of the play, he would open it up for discussion and questions, and he would lead off with some type of question um, posited towards the people watching the play. And and this is where your panelists would come in. Um, you know, if nobody's talking, they could kind of get the conversation going. Okay. Um, so just from that, so it's it wasn't so much just people like watching the play, but it was, you know, speaking about how they relate with it. And, um, he just, he really observed and, and so did the military. They really observed the like catharsis that it provided to service members who were either, you know, returning from a deployment or, you know, struggling with PTSD or their families were struggling with deployments. 
you know, and all, all the pieces that go along with just being at war. Wow. Yeah. So I, I just like completely fascinating. Oh, I did. Um, I wrote, I wrote a page down cause I just wanted to read like a small little. Yeah. Give us a little clip here. Through tragedy, the great Athenian poets were not articulating a pessimistic or fatalistic view of human existence, nor were they bent on filling audiences with despair. Instead, they were giving voice to timeless human experiences of suffering and grief that when viewed by a large audience that had shared those experiences, fostered compassion, understanding, and a deeply felt interconnection. Through tragedy, the Greeks faced the darkness of human existence as a community. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So important for sure. So uh, the book is really, really interesting. At the beginning, um, I did like both times that I've read it, I had to slog through the beginning a little bit because it was very like collegiate about Greek tragedies. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Um, But then he started talking about his own story and um, you kind of get more of like the stories of soldiers he's interacted with mixed in there. And um, it really started like zipping along after that. Okay, good to know. I might have to do it as an audiobook because then I can like speed up the slog a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slow back down. <laughs> I'm definitely, I feel like this is a question I need to add into the the speed round I've been thinking about. Like, do you always have to finish a book when you start it? <laughs> um, you know, I, it's, I went through a period where I absolutely was like, I've started it. I have to finish it. Yeah. Um, and then I think I just... Like, I don't have as much time to, I mean, I don't have as much time and I also don't like, I have such a huge TBR list that I'm like, if, you know, if I'm not jiving with this book, like I'm going to put it down, but I do always make sure that I give it like so many chapters before I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Cause I'm like, at least in your case, right. With this book, you might have put it down, but at least you stuck through and it ended up being this beautiful story. So and I definitely, uh, if it's a book that somebody has given me, I always finish it because I'm like, I can't tell them I didn't like it if I didn't actually finish it. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. I know I'm trying to, I need to think I like start a journal of people that have recommended me books now that I've started doing this, which I love because this is the type of recommendations I want, right? Is a trusted source telling me what books to read. But I need to write down like in a journal who recommended what because I want to be able to go back to them and be like, I loved that book or it really worked for me or give them some feedback. Um, and so, but like, my brain isn't always the best at remembering. So I need to get like a little way to like process, you know, have written down of who recommended what. So if I don't get to it for six months, I still remember that, you know, so-and-so recommended it. So. That's, a good, that's a good idea. I've never thought about doing that before. I've tried because I feel like I always like when people come back to me and be like, oh, I loved that yeah. book you recommended, right? Um, and you can have like your own little mini book club discussion. So I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, do you have anything else you want to add about that one? Nope, that's it. Okay, so that was The Theater of War by Brian Dowries? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So and then what is your last pairing for the book flight today? Okay. Um, the last pairing is called Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. It's by Sebastian Junger, and I may have mispronounced his last name because it's spelled with a J, but um, I'm assuming it's pronounced with a Y. Yeah. Um, 
So he is a journalist and a writer and a documentary filmmaker. Um, his most notable book is The Perfect Storm, which you've probably seen the movie with Mark Wahlberg and yep. George Clooney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so when I was looking into him, because I didn't really know a lot about him other than just that he did um, journalism during the war, um, I found out that a lot of his life's like journalistic work has been focused on dangerous jobs, um, which I thought was really interesting, like firefighters and the perfect storm, you know, it's about like the, the Coast Guard, I think, right? Correct. It's been so long since I've yeah, seen it. Back really- to my memory issue. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he spent almost 10 years covering the war in Afghanistan. Um, oh. And he he made a documentary film about it called uh, Restrepo. I have not seen it. I have no idea if it's any good. Okay. Um, but I think from his, from the documentary film and from his time um, spent over there, he wrote an article for Vanity Fair in like 2015 um, about PTSD and combat soldiers. And from that article, he kind of like, gravitated towards writing a longer book um and that's where tribe comes in ah okay so um this book like overarching theme is about um the impact that like our current modern lifestyle has on um mental health and societal health and specifically on soldiers um returning from war okay Um, Essentially, he kind of says that, like, as society has modernized, uh, we've got all these tools now um, that help us live a more, like, individualistic life. Um, So, you know, he kind of starts talking about, like, the Native Americans and how tribal their society was um, and how you really never saw mental health issues in, you know, Native life, Um, not just Native Americans here you know here in the states but um he mentions other cultures other tribal cultures where sure uh, mental health issues are not a thing um and he also talks about warriors and soldiers from a long long time ago um where you really maybe saw some stuff but as our um as our lifestyle has modernized, like the mental health issues in soldiers has gotten significantly worse. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't so much think that, um, you know, PTSD is a problem with the soldiers so much as it is with, um, them returning to like a non-tribal society. Um, I could see that. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the things I really, really like about this book, um, is that it's not just his, um, it's not just his thoughts or, you know, what he's seen. He like the back of the book has so many like reference source notes. So Mm -hmm. he's done his research. Um, you know, it's, it's not just what he's personally seen. Um, and he really, really like, illustrates all of his points by talking about multiple things throughout history. Um, you know, like I said, the native Americans, he talks about disasters that have happened like in our country and other countries and how, um, you know, those disasters like really bring people together and why is that? And, you know, what, 
what impact that has on people and, um, how sometimes you'll get, you know, soldiers who say like, man, it was such a good time over there. And you just wonder like, you know, you were at war, how can it be a good time over there? But, you know, the reality is, you know, soldiers function in particular when they're on a deployment in such a like close knit tight community, Mm -hmm. um, that when they come back and they're kind of ripped away from that community, uh, it causes a lot more harm than there would be if yeah. they were not as pulled away from that community. I, I really, really, really like this book because, um, I, I think, you know, you've probably noticed this too. Like the military community is a lot more tight knit than the civilian world. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we do a really good job of like reaching out to each other and, you know, building bonds with people really quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, oh, I just met you. Can I put you as my like school reference? Like, will you, will you put <laughs> my emergency contact? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I think like our community focus as military members um, is a lot stronger than the, the normal world. And, you know, we continue to like modernize and get these tools that like pull us further and further away from, you know, group contact. You know, we, our kind of, our kind of circles keep getting like smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, uh, it sounds, it sounds like kind of a negative book. Um, so I, I don't want to put it that way. I think like, as he kind of progresses through this, you know, he offers like kind of hope that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're a social people and that if we continue to like reach out to each other, you know, there can be a lot of like healing, um, and just, you know, spreading, spreading that healing and spreading that hope to others just by reaching out is such an easy way to heal, like not just PTSD, but other mental health issues, like within our society. Does he give like solutions as well within the book? Or is it more kind of detailing what he's seen where he, you know, or, or researched, you know, has caused this? Um, I think that the solutions are more like underlying. Um, okay. I don't think he, he doesn't really come out and like directly state, like, this is what we should do. Um, it's more just his observations of, you know, when soldiers return and if they're more connected with community, they do better. They fare, they fare better, um, with mental health issues. And, and the same goes for family members, family members who stay connected on the home front when their service members are deployed or deployed fare better. Um, so it's more, it's more like under undercurrent on what he's talking about. Um, than like specifically coming out and stating like we should be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It, It had me thinking as you were talking about it, about how, as you know, you hear, oh, it takes a village to raise your children. And I think as military families, we don't always have that, right? Like we're taken away from our families, right? From our like comfort zone and everybody we've known in our life. Um, But what I've noticed as we've moved around is when we've been in like these overseas commands, I feel like we almost get that tribe, right? Like everyone that you're meeting, you're all in the same situation. Your family's not there. You're not going home for holidays. You're not, you know, they're not coming in for birthdays. Like you just become each other's family. And I'll say that my friends I made while we lived in Sicily, I still talk to them every single day. (laughs) Like we have a group text that goes every single day where other duty stations where we've lived in the continental U.S., 
no knock on other people, but they have their families. Maybe we move to an area and we meet locals there. Well, they have their families there. They have other things. And we just, we become friends, but it's, it was not the same as that. So now I am feeling like I'm kind of chasing the perpetual unicorn a little bit of like trying to recreate the same friend, yeah. friend group. It's been really a challenge since we've left. I feel like Sicily was such a beautiful place in that, in like our community that we had. And now it's, it's different, right? So I could totally relate as not being a military, you know, member myself, but being a the family member and how I felt as we've moved and how community makes such a difference. Yeah, a hundred percent. And people are always like, oh, how do you like this place? Or how do you like that place? And I, like my answer always, almost always, like I, I'm always reflecting on like the people, like yep. well, the place was fine, but like the people I met there were amazing, you know? Yeah. And, like, you know, it will I, make or break it for sure. Right. 100%. And, and I definitely like, and cause I know you're in San Diego. Like when we first moved to San Diego many years ago, um, San Diego is a big city and I've, yeah. you know, I hadn't ever lived in like a really big city before. And I, it was like culture shock almost because, you know, like the neighbors didn't say hi. And that I was there for two years without like making a friend. Like I, I met people here and there, but everybody was just so busy with their lives. And they're like, you said, their families that mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't have like any really strong connections. Um, and I, and I struggled and then we ended up moving and I ended up like finding my tribe. Um, and the rest of my time there, like I will never forget. And it's the same thing. Those are friends that I like still talk to on a regular basis. And like those bonds are really, really, really strong. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I think we all kind of get that too. the fast friendships. I remember we were living when we lived in Washington last year. Um, my college roommate happened to live in Seattle as well. So they came out and stayed with us for the weekend. And they came with us like one of Eric's coworkers was having a Fourth of July party. And we had asked like, hey, our friends are staying for the weekend. Do you mind if they come too? And they said, absolutely not. No big deal. So we all went to this bonfire for uh, Fourth of July. <laughs> And my friend is even from like we happen to be from hometowns very close to one another in the Midwest. Um, But I remember after we left the bonfire, they're like, everyone was so nice. So first off, caveat, Seattle really has this thing called the Seattle freeze. And I don't know what it is, but they're not the friendliest people in the world. (laughs) But secondly, I'm like, well, I think that's because they're all in the military. So you all have to make friends really fast. Like there's no like, okay, like we like each other. Let's hang out again. Be my kid's contact at school. Like I I don't have the time (laughs) because we might only be together for the next six or nine months and then you're leaving or I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it could be, it could be two sides of the coin there, but (laughs) I know I was talking to my friend about this because she lives in my hometown and we met like, later on in adulthood. Um, so her being like new to the town and it being a small town, everybody like kind of already had their solidified friends and family there. And she said, it's so hard. Everybody's so clicky. And I was like, well, I mean, it's just, it's comfort level, you know, like when you get thrown in to the deep end, like in military worlds, like you kind of lose that because it's like, well, I better, you know, I better make friends or I'm going to be here all by myself for the next, you know, year or two years. So yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. That like speed and just being, being, um, you know, in a position of discomfort, like, oh, I don't really like this, not having like community and having like, you know, people to lean on. 
Yeah. And like you said, you probably find those people feeling similar, right? So it it allows that connection to be made a lot easier because you're all kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, great. Well, we kind of sidetracked from that book a little bit, but did you have anything else you wanted to add about it? That's it. Just, just for all the military spouses out there, like find your community, find your tribe. And, you know, I mean, same goes for the military members. They, you know, they're with each other, you know, on the ship or in the barracks or whatever it may be, you know, just find your tribe. Yeah, it's worth your time and energy because I feel like that could be, you know, and like the throes of having little babies. I'm like, oh, man, do I yes. really have the energy to do this? But it ended up being so worth it every single time. And again, for my sanity, I tell Eric, don't ever ask me if I like a duty station until we've been there six months. And I think part of that is having not only do I not need like map, you know, I was going to say map quest. Oh, my gosh, I'm aging myself, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to have Google Maps on everywhere I drive. Um, but then the other part of it is I've probably hopefully in six months made a connection of some yeah. kind yeah. to help soften into it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's clo- close out with I'll recap the books here and then we'll do our speed round. So the first book we had was The Honor Was Mine by Elizabeth Heaney. Then we had The Theater of War by Brian Dowries. And then we finished off with Tribe by Sebastian Junger. And then we'll jump into our speed round. So what is your, or where is your favorite place to read? Um, Definitely outside is my favorite place to read, but it's probably also the place where I read the least. <laughs> um, I just, it's idyllic maybe. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, like, you know, put me on a, put me on a patio looking at a lake or put me on the beach with a book in my hand. Or even this summer we put up one of those, um, like above ground pools for my kids. And I would sit out on the chair and read while they would swim. And it was, it was very idyllic. Very, very good. There Uh, you go. (laughs) All right. What is one book you have read that has changed your life? Um, I, for this question, I picked quiet by Susan Kane. Um, it is a book about the power of introverts in a world of extroversion. Um, I kind of always thought like, what is wrong with me? Like when it comes to certain <laughs> things, especially like social interactions. Um, and after reading this book, I just, I was like, I understand myself so much better. And this is just, this is just a part of me. And I do like being social. I just need a little more like healing time afterwards. Um, to like get past that. And even just little like quirks that I was always like, man, that's so, you know, so quirky. Like I, I got to sleep with like being super dark and super quiet. And she connected that with like being an introvert. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I never would have connected the two, but. Huh. I actually read this a long time ago as an audiobook, and I connected with it as well. Cause I feel like I have a range of both, right? Like I have a certain amount of introvert to me and a certain amount of extrovert. <laughs> yeah. And I think I picked that up from this book, but I forgot about the super dark, super quiet. That's what I prefer. And now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then what do you prefer to read? Would you prefer an audiobook or a hard copy? Hard copy for sure. I mean, like I said, I always have like, I always have an audiobook going and I always have a book on my Kindle but my preference is to have like that solid book in my hands. Yeah. Awesome. And then lastly, what are you reading next? Um, so I am currently listening to the Rose Code by Kate yep. Quinn, um, historical fiction about um, women who are working as code breakers during World War II. It's really cool. good. And it, the, the audio is spectacular. I really, really like um, 
the narrator. Who is it? Let's see. I wrote it down. Uh, Saskia Marleveld. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's really well read um, on Audible. Cool. I'll probably do it up that way. I have not read this yet, but it's, I've heard it, you know, it, it talked about yeah. quite a bit. So yeah. I think it's a, a popular book right now. Um, I'm on my Kindle. I'm reading Night Angels by Wena Di Rendell. Um, another historical fiction piece set during World War II. It's about the wife of the Chinese consulate in Vienna. Um, uh-huh. I just started so it's okay so far so far it's really good and then I finally hopefully will be getting my hands on next week because I've had it on um hold for the library for like months but apparently it's a really <laughs> popular book so I've been way down on the list um and I'm finally at the top of the list so I'm like yay maybe this week I'll get it yeah. um, the world played chess by Robert Dugoni oh okay Um, it is a coming of age novel about a man who worked alongside two Vietnam vets, um, during like his post high school years and like how it shaped his life. So. Oh, cool. My mom has, it's not this book, but she's recommended Robert Dugoni to me as well. And I can't remember what the book of it is. Yeah. he's, He's got a few that are like pretty popular. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'll have to keep that in mind when I go to add it, that it might be a long wait to get it. <laughs> I actually just finished, um, and I just posted about it on the bookish flights page. Um, but it was called the mountain sing. Have you read that? Uh-uh. So I found it really interesting because it actually is about Vietnam, but it's told from a grandmother and a granddaughter. And it was the grandmother's family was a land owning family in North Vietnam when communism started to take over. And I'm only telling you this because you talk, we're talking about Vietnam more, but I feel like it was such a unique perspective where I've read some about the Vietnam war. I kind of hear that side of it. War does happen within the the span of this, the time the book covers. Um, but it was really, really interesting. There was definitely, it, it talked about the hardships, right? Of the hunger that came with communism, their lands being ripped away from their families, um, how the community turned against them, even though they were one of the really good landowning families. Like they had sent all those, they, all their workers, they had sent their children to school. They paid for their medical visits. Like they were one of the landowning families that took care of their workers, but they, what they were portrayed as after communism started to take over and what was taken away from them. And it, it was so interesting and it had me thinking about it for like days after because there was one point my husband's family is Cuban and they've all since left Cuba when Castro kind of came into power. So I've heard a lot of these stories in our time, you know, in our relationship together and absolutely incredible stories. I love hearing them. But what it talked about this moment of the family. So the grand, I think it was from the grandmother's perspective at this point, And she was asking her mom, about their family history. And the mother was like, well, I can't tell you about our family history because it's been erased from our history books. Because, right, they were rewriting history to make communism look good. And her and the grandmother at the time was too young to understand that she couldn't take this knowledge with her to school. And so the mother was like, I will have to tell you at a later date who our family was. I cannot tell you now. And it's just a side of it I had never thought of, of you know, these families that were like the bourgeois, right? Like what they were technically being called, but like who they were and like how their family history was completely erased. And I'm like, wow, like I just never thought about it 
from that. I mean, not only like the destruction and everything that came with the Vietnam War and what was taken away from them, but it it had me thinking about it for like weeks after. <laughs> that sounds so, so good. Yeah. So if you want something to pair up with a uh, book about Vietnam after you finish the Robert Dugani book, this would be a totally different side of it. But I think yeah, it's a really like important... the reverse like side of it. Oh, that's that's awesome. I'm going to add that on there. Yeah, it, I think it's a really important read and an important story and side to hear. So thank you. You're Adding welcome. TBR list. Every time I listen to your podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, my TBR list is getting so long. <laughs> well, it's funny because I actually looked through my list. I've kept a Goodreads account for a really long time. So thankfully, because again, memory issues, like have I read that book? Have I not? Um, I looked through my whole list because I wanted to give you a dessert pairing. And I'm like, I really haven't read any books that I think would fill in well with this book flight. So while the book I'm recommending for you might not fill into your book flight, I think it would pair well for you. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been such a pleasure to have you and I know your time is precious, so I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Jen Ostring and I in our chat today about her book flight of healing and community for combat veterans. We'd love to hear what other books you might pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, Especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.